All right, all right. Good morning, brothers and sisters. How you doing this morning? It's good to uh, be together and worship the Lord. Every time we come together, it's a family affair, a family gathering, getting together, worshiping God, strengthening and encouraging one another. As was mentioned, my name is Marcel Hall, and grateful and honored and humbled to be able to speak this morning. And uh, as was mentioned, also, it's the second Sunday of Advent, and we are continuing in our series, Making Room. And so when Jesus was born, there was no room available, and they had to go out into where the animals were, and they had to make room for the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so they had to make room for him, and we want to make room in our hearts for Jesus. We want to make room in our schedules for Jesus. And even though this is the season that's supposed to focus on Jesus, we can actually move Jesus out of our hearts, schedules, minds, and souls. And so we don't want to do that this season. We want to go ahead and celebrate the birth and coming of our Lord. And we want to celebrate and look forward to the second return, the second advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so last week we talked about hope some. And this week we are talking about peace and making room for peace. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father, I see in the scriptures so many times how you are described as the king of peace. You are the God of peace. And how a relationship with you, we can therefore have that peace which is in you. And God, not only that, but then we're also able to share that peace with others. Jesus even called us to be peacemakers. And God, we can't help create peace unless we have received peace. And we have received peace through your son, Jesus. And we will look at that some today. And God, we are grateful. And Father, I pray that this morning you allow us to hone in on what your spirit is saying to us collectively and individually. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going to go ahead and uh, attempt to watch a video. Keyword attempt. All right. Well, we went too soon there. Okay. Hold on. All right. Go back there. There you go. We saw that it worked. At least we think it will. And so we're going to show a little video here, uh, and it's going to help us to look at peace, but with peace with a, a different element and angle. So I want you to take stock here and maybe jot down what's something that stood out to you or stands out to you as you learn a little bit about the biblical concept of peace. Let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's try the video. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is eirene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete 
or hole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect hole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. There's a the mic on. There we go. All right. So what we're going to do right now is we're, uh, I want you to go ahead and uh, take a second and to the person to your right and left, go ahead and share what was something that stood out to you about this idea of biblical peace. And, right, and during that time, my wife Karina is going to come up on stage and uh, she's going to join me as we're going to share some observations about this idea of peace. All right. Amen. All right, so we're going to go ahead and, uh, again, do something a little different here. I think we did this once before on Mother's Day. And so here's my lovely wife, Karina. Karina, can you introduce yourself there? My name is Karina. <laughs> and what else do you want me to say about myself? Uh, how awesome your husband is. How great of a father he is. 
see. That depends. What am I going to get after this? Oh, look at this. <laughs> Edgar War, you help her out. <laughs> no, you can tell people uh, okay. whatever you like. Okay. So, yes, my name is Karina. I have been a Christian uh, for uh, 21 years now. And um, we've been married for 16 years. And we have three kids, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 3-year-old. So, yeah, that's, that's me. There you go. All right. <laughs> so let's go ahead here and uh, we'll ask you a similar question that we had everyone answer here. And so what stuck out to you? What struck you the most about this idea, this element of peace being more than just a lack of war or, 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 or just calm waters? Well, to me, it was interesting because that is what I think about when I think of peace. I think of tranquility. I think those are the common ways that we use it nowadays, um, a lack of conflict, a lack of um, you know, disagreement and just calmness, I think calmness. Uh, but when I think about peace as completeness, um, it changes the way I look at my relationship with God and it changes uh, the way I view my accessibility to peace uh, how and how I'm going to get peace. Uh, but it also makes me want to look more at the scriptures about peace because when I saw that, I was like, really? And so I wanted to just look more at the scriptures does that make sense does is that really um the kind of peace that the bible talks about well let, let's go ahead and let's do that then so let, let's go on over to isaiah chapter 9 here we're going to look at a, a couple of passages here isaiah chapter 9 uh looks like eric okay there we go all right isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 and this is written in about the 8th century bc and so Jesus obviously had not been born uh, and lived in, in, in Jerusalem, I mean lived uh, in, in Israel at that time. And so this is again 8th century B.C. and this guy named Isaiah, he's a prophet, meaning he spoke the word of God. And so God revealed certain things and messages to Isaiah to communicate to the nation of Israel. A lot of these are written down and we get a chance to benefit. And here's one of the prophecies about Jesus. And it says here in Isaiah 9 verse 6, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As we see in these passages here, this idea of Jesus' birth and his coming, there was this common theme of peace. And it says he will even be the Prince of Peace. And that's pretty interesting, right? I think Prince of something, I think of that Robin Hood movie, Prince of Thieves. And so, meaning, he, okay, of all the thieves, he's the prince of it. And so when you think of peace, it says Jesus is the prince of peace. He's made up of it. He's the Lord of it. And then it goes on and you have this moment. We saw a little bit of this last week in Luke chapter 2 in which now the, the announcement of Jesus' birth. And they talked about how there's going to be some peace there. And we'll see that here over in Luke chapter 2. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's, that's just encouraging to hear. Jesus' birth, they were nervous. Wait, what's going on? We have this miraculous moment. He says, no, there's good news that's taking place. Jesus is good news. We continue to read. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the, the anointed one, the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so we have these passages again, this this this. Pre- Prophecy, this, this announcement, and then when Jesus is born again, this announcement of this idea that, that what Jesus brings, there's a whole lot, but this idea of peace being involved there. And so, Karina, here, as we look at these scriptures, how, how does the coming of Jesus for you bring peace? Uh, well, I look at the prophecies about Jesus as the Prince of Peace in Isaiah, and even the prophecy about Um, or the announcement uh, of good news that Jesus was being born. And it was given to this this good news, this prophecy was given to a people who were hurting. Uh, They were uh, suffering from oppression. They were suffering from um, their their own, uh, the result of their own sin. Uh, They were uh, guilty. They were... Uh, really what they were experiencing is the absence of God in their lives. Uh, they had not felt God's presence uh, for many years, and they were feeling that darkness. Uh, and yet Jesus uh, comes, and he brings something different, something special that they hadn't had. And, it, you know, ideally, or what, I mean, maybe in their minds ideally, uh, they were thinking... Uh, They were going to be restored to a powerful nation. They would have wealth. But Jesus was bringing something that they needed more than that. And that is the forgiveness of sins. That is the reconciliation uh, between them and God. That was God's presence uh, on earth. That's what Jesus was bringing. And so uh, it reminds me that that's what we need today even. It, It is salvation, love, hope. Those are the things that we still need today and that we're searching for uh in romans 5 1 uh is that gonna be up yeah let's look at it here romans 5 1 Um, and 6 yeah it says therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ and just even before that just that idea of peace with God. Uh, And that was something that came up in the video too, but this idea that I have peace with God uh, because of Jesus, that Jesus dying on the cross meant I, um, I could have a relationship with God and it meant that I could have peace. Um, When I was powerless, Christ brought peace. And that's a peace that can't be earned. It's true peace can't be earned. I, I can try to acquire peace uh, that I can think of, like tranquility and all the things that we talked about, but this kind of peace can't be earned. Jesus died on the cross so that I could have that peace. And he's already paid that price. And then in verse 6, it says, uh, you see at just the right time when you were still, we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And that idea that I am ungodly, that I was, that I am without God, and therefore Christ 
brings me to God. You know, what's incredible, when this idea of restoration and completeness uh, as one of the elements of, of biblical peace. This idea, again, that, that our lives outside of God or our lives uh, uh, having chaos between us and God, not being in the right order. And yet Jesus comes in and restores the right order in our relationship with him. And just even if I think about even, you know, in life, when, when I don't have peace... Usually there is some chaos in my life, right? Can you guys agree to that? Like something's out of whack. Like I come home and the house is messed up. There's no peace for Marcel. There's no shalom in the home. You know what I mean? Because things are out of whack and like, uh, and then once we get that together, then there seems to be this production, not pro producing of peace in my soul, in my mind, mentally, emotionally. And so I think about that spiritually. Like, man, we have this chaos going on in our lives that we can't fix. We can't get together. We can't put these pieces. Some of it, we don't even have the pieces in place ourselves to put in order. And so Christ comes and puts these things in order, therefore restoring a relationship with God that it was intended for us. That's just pretty incredible and remarkable to consider there. And so how does this peace that, that Jesus provides or how can this peace help you in your faith and in your daily life? Well, I think usually I'm seeking uh, the peace that is this peace that is associated uh, with the absence of worry and fear uh, or stress. <laughs> and so, if I am stressed out, then I can feel like I have no peace, um, and everything has to be going well for me to feel like there is peace in my life. And yet, these verses and this idea about peace as completeness. Uh, shows me that peace is an objective reality versus a subjective feeling. So I can feel all kinds of things, but that doesn't mean that there is no peace. That doesn't mean that I cannot still have peace with God and that that in itself is going to produce, um, you know, as an added bonus, will give me those moments where I can seek that calmness and that tranquility and that peace of mind that comes from a secure relationship with God. And so even when there's chaos all around me, even, you know, this week, it, it, it felt like it was chaos a little bit. Like I didn't feel uh, this ser serenity and this tranquility. And yet it was good even to study this because I could be reminded, no, I can still have peace. I can still go to God and ask him for his presence uh, and for him to help me. Uh, but this peace, is, it it's, doesn't matter if we have a, a, a fight this week, if you have a fight with your spouse because that did happen this week, and or if the kids aren't behaving, because that also did happen this that, week. That definitely happened this week. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, regardless, we all go through challenging times. It's conflict with a, a relative or a friend, or it's getting bad news on the phone, or a health challenge. Uh, whatever is going on, we can still seek uh, this real peace, this true peace. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And so, so those are some of the things you shared. Now, how can this peace even be on a broader sense for the rest of us, right? Because you mentioned not being subjective but objective, so it's not circumstantial. It's something that can be sustained. Um, I think about, well, the scripture that says it's um, uh, that God will give us a peace that transcends 
transcends all understanding. And that, and so that's what I mean by it's a different type of peace. And I think a lot of times when we go through challenges, we turn to destructive behavior or people, or people around us, our loved ones, our neighbors, they turn to destructive, um, ways to try to fix the lack of peace. Uh, you know, we feel angry or stressed, and so we give in to those feelings or we turn to things that will make us feel better or will, you know, um, alleviate the guilt that comes from the the times that we mess up or whatnot. But when we can offer this type of peace, it there's restoration, there's reconciliation, and that is the peace that people need. No, that's good. I mean, because I, I think of, you know, not, you're not sharing, not, not even just us, but even our neighbors, our friends. This peace would, would really transform lives in our communities, right? Uh, I, I mean, even think about myself and, and, and just uh, the stress that we have and the unhealthy ways that we go about this. I think the physical ailments that are produced from anxiety, Right, uh, the knots that we have, and, and, or different things, or, or that that when we go to the doctor, they ask, "Well, how's your stress level and, and anxiety?" Is because this chaos and disorder in which we don't have this peace. I think of uh, relationship in- issues from anger or anxiety. Right, we're feeling things, so therefore we react in a way in which we wouldn't have if we had this peace of Christ ruling in our lives here. And so it makes me think, yeah, you know what, when, when uh, we get the flat tire, uh, when we get that, uh, that, that, that professor that gives us that project that we didn't do well, or we have this relationship challenge, we didn't receive what we thought we were going to receive, or, uh, uh, again, that phone call from the doctor about either ourselves or, or a loved one, you know, we can still have peace in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of crazy things that, again, is something that can actually be sustained. Despite all these things, and not just a feeling, I appreciate what you said, what you say, uh, it wasn't just a subjective feeling. But this can also help all of us and our neighbors, our friends, to not try to uh, attain subjective feelings, but to have sustained objective reality. Um, and so we talked about how Jesus' first coming has, has brought peace, but we're in the Advent season and just love this time to focus in on his second coming as well. So how does the second coming of Jesus for you bring peace? Uh, the second coming re- reminds me that th- that's the ultimate peace that I'm looking for. That's the, uh, you know, when you think about that video, the, the wall that was, that was broken down and restored, like, that's the wall coming up. That's completeness. That's, uh, you know, faith shall be sight. I will be complete. I'll have the presence of God with me. I will be, it's God with me for eternity. Yeah, I, I just, again, I just love this, this, uh, this season of Advent. Never celebrated until two years ago. And so I appreciate when we were talking earlier this week, like, wow, the second coming brings, like you said, peace in totality, right? Like right now, what Jesus has offered us is excellent. There's nothing wrong with it. But in, in some ways, you can argue it's still incomplete. Because when Jesus returns and we go and we're with the Father forever, when the faith becomes sight, that's the uttermost, that's the ultimate peace that we'll experience. The order will be truly complete and set in place for all of eternity. And just that notion, that thought helps me. Because I'm like, wow, okay, you know what? No matter what I'm going to, the victor will return. 
the church will be victorious. No matter what's taking place, when Christ returns, there's victory. These eternal life, the faith is sight at that point. And so it makes me just think, wow, you know what? That itself, that reality, not just this hope, not, not excuse me, not just this wishful thinking, but this reality that we will experience brings a level of order and another form of peace. Right, because I'm secure. It's not like, oh, we hope it's going to come back. We wish. Like, no, he's coming back. It's not if. It's just a matter of when. And so that brings peace. I can be calm. Hey, you know what this issue? God's got it covered. Yes, he'll cover it in now. But ultimately, it'll be covered when Christ returns. And so uh, I, I just love that idea that uh, I can have peace now that Christ has brought, but I can also look forward to the ultimate peace that we'll experience in paradise. And so it's so awesome to have these things as a child of God. So what are some of the hurdles and challenges that you see that prevent us from experiencing this, right? Instead of it just being a theory, what are the things that stop and prevent us from this being our reality? Well, I, I think it's that it's still intangible and elusive. Like it still can feel like something that uh, we're not really sure we have. And, uh, and so I think that makes it harder to surrender and to trust. And it also, uh, it's easy to get caught up with the things around us, with the circumstances and to uh, base our peace on those things or to want to take matters into my own hands, to want to fix things myself. I think that's um, definitely can, that can definitely be a hurdle, and it can lead me to f pursue a false or temporary peace. Hmm. For example, like what? So, not that th these things are wrong, but I mean, I can think, okay, um, me reading or doing less, or me, you know, like the things. Those things are good. I, I enjoy um, doing things that I. I enjoy, you know, reading or taking a break or whatever, doing less. All those things are good, but that's just temporary peace. That doesn't, that's not the peace that makes me whole. Mm. You know, I know for me, what my challenge is, I'm not sure any of you can relate, but I can know the concept, right? But then actually in the moment or, or sustaining that is my challenge. And so, like, uh, like even this week, there was, there was, man, probably the whole middle of the week, I was just really wrestling, just struggling, just, just, just battling this discouragement and just all the negative things, seeing everything in, the, in a half-empty way. And but I'm knowing, I'm like, okay, I know the truth, but it's hard for me to get over this. You know what I'm saying? And so maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. But I know for me, that's that's the hard time. The hard thing is that I, I know the right thing, but in the moment I hold on to the negative and I won't let go of it. You know, this idea that, that God, you know, in the Old Testament, even New Testament, we bring things to the altar, right? My problem is I'll bring things to his altar and then when I leave, I'll take it back. Any of you guys do that? I'm like, God, here's all this stuff, here's all this stuff. And then right before I, right when I say amen, I say thank you, and I'll take it back with me. And then I'm like, man, I'm stressed out, I'm angry, like nothing 
really changed. You know what I'm saying? And part of it is just, I'm not leaving it to God. You know, I'm taking it. I, I, I let him borrow it. Can you borrow all these troubles? Well, I take them back. You know, it's just foolish, right? Stick and thinking on my part, right? So that's one of my things. And, and then I also think another thing is when, when we step outside of God's will, that prevents and blocks God's availability that he provides a peace for our lives. Right? Like if God wants to provide, he is the provider of peace. Jesus says he came to bring peace, right? And so when we step outside of God's will, see, if peace is on the freeway of, 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 of you know, God's freeway of will right there, right? That's where peace is. But we step out of it. We make poor choices. We decide, like you said, to do some of these things that uh, maybe provide temporary or just uh, uh, things that are unproductive. We decide to eat. We decide to, to go to uh, 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 things on, on the Internet, pornography, or we decide to smoke. We decide that drinking, we decide some type of relationship. Like whenever we decide to step outside of God's will, then that removes the opportunity for me to experience the peace that he wants me to have. And that's one of the things I see, right? Not only in myself, but having, you know, being involved with people for a number of years is, wow, when we step outside of God's will, we think we're going to actually gain peace, but we actually remove ourselves from peace. And then a bad cycle takes place. Because then we keep going there, thinking it's going to provide, and it did for a second, but really it just provided relief for a second. But you guys get what I'm saying. And so those are some of the things I see are impediments to, to this idea of experiencing uh, the peace of Christ. So then, Karina, what, what do you believe can help us combat those things and then start to make room for peace in our lives? So in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so the result of... Um, the spirit is peace. That's it's the fruit of the spirit is peace. And so if I really want peace, <laughs> then my first step is to receive the spirit. Uh, in Acts 2, it talks about how we receive the spirit uh, at baptism. That when we are baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so my first step is to receive the spirit because that's where peace this true peace that we're talking about comes from. It is the spirit of God. It's the presence of God. And uh, in Galatians 5.25, it then says, Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. So my first step is to receive the spirit. And then after that, I have to uh, stay in step with the spirit. And so that means doing God's will. That means God's presence in my life. And peace is dependent on God's presence being in my life. It is dependent on my relationship with him. That is the completeness that we're talking about. It is. It means that I have a relationship with God. And that's what Jesus came to bring. But I can choose not to have this relationship with God. I can choose not to be in God's presence because I can have faith. I can believe that God exists, but that doesn't mean that I'm pursuing a relationship with him. Just like I can believe that Marcel exists and you exist and all these people exist, but that doesn't make 
that me believing that Marcel exists doesn't make us married. <laughs> and so we actually have to pursue a relationship. And so when I think about how do I make room for peace, it means seeking God first. It means putting God in my life. It means uh, choosing to walk with him, uh, choosing to... Uh, Choosing to seek him, seek his scriptures, seek prayer, seek him in prayer. I think that's a, a huge part of our relationship with God is when we don't feel that peace, it can't just, I, I, I want to just pray and walk away like Marcel was talking about and okay, like I'm done. I have peace now, but that's, that's not going to happen because true peace and this objective reality that is peace comes from my walk with him, comes from um, those times where I don't feel peace, continuing to, to seek him, continuing to go to him, continuing to ask him uh, to be filled with his spirit, continuing to ask him to feel his presence. I don't see God per se, but I need to continue to pray to feel his presence. Um, and so... Uh, that's that's how I can combat those things. Uh, and the best part of it is when I am close to God, those feelings of stress and anxiety and worry uh, do get handled differently, and I do feel those in a different way. But I know that when I'm not close to God, I, those things become magnified. Uh, the problems or the little things even, to, uh, you know, the little things that irk you throughout the day, those become bigger and more stressful when I'm not close to God. And so even what I hear you saying is that you're making room for a relationship with God. Yes, in, in, in your daily life and then also uh, during circumstances. And so this is personal, devotional to God, right? Making sure that I'm making room for time with God. I'm making room to worship with the collective of the brothers and sisters. Um, it's seeking help for others when peace seems evasive. Hey, hey, can you help me out with this? Here's what I'm feeling. This is what's so great about our relationships. That's why I love being in our church, right? I mean, we have relationships in which we help each other. And then we, oh, excuse me, man. We can help each other when this peace is elusive. And help guide us back in order again, this idea of order there. And so I also think of, okay, again, what prompts me to be outside of, of this peace is being outside of God's will, so I need to make changes to be back inside of God's will, right? So that's evaluating, where am I at spiritually? What kind of decisions am I making? Where is this leading to? And so then identifying what it is, but then making a decision to do what is aligned with God's will, right? And so that's uh, looking at our sin, looking at these challenges, these struggles, and then coming up with plans and then having actions to follow through. So being very practical, being very tangible. And one of the things that I'm hearing that, that was observation for me is that this requires effort on our part, in particular requires perseverance. Like this isn't, oh, I did it once and that's good for the rest of my life. Like, I took a shower once, so I don't need to ever take one again. Like, that's ridiculous, right? Like, we know we need to continually take showers, and so we need to continually go ahead and persevere when it comes to making room for God's peace to rule in our hearts there. And so, want to go ahead and get uh, get very practical here. Oh, man, I left it over there. But anyhow, uh, we have some sheets here for you. You know, we like to be very practical. And so we gave out, we sent some out last week over email, over all the digital ways. 
in which we do it, and we're going to do that again tomorrow. But we also have uh, some making room for peace this week. Little handouts. You can put it on your uh, refrigerator or whatnot. We have it over at the welcome table. So we have some handouts there. It actually says making room for hope. Just disregard Marcel's mistake. Okay, all right. It's supposed to say peace, okay, but the date is right on it. So here are some of the things that we have some activities for, and this was very helpful this past week, and it was a very challenge. I had to text a brother getting open like, man, I, I fumbled about three or four times with this with this one. I think it was last Friday about uh, uh, media consumption there. And so let's just list off some of the things. So tomorrow, here's a good one. Uh-oh, all the young people love this one. Turn off all phone notifications for one day. I, I can't lie to you. I'm hesitant. I was hesitant to read that one because I'm like, boy, you better do it. You're going to get up here and share about it, Marcel. So if you text me and I don't reply, hey, I just had the notification off, all right? All right, so there you go. Tuesday, before each meal today, replace the off-obligatory pre-mail prayer with at least five-minute Philippians 4 prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, you can finish the, 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 uh, the, the verse there. And then Wednesday, ask God if there is someone you need to make peace with, and then act on it today. That's a good one right there. We need some amens when we see that one right there. We can't be like, ooh. <laughs> Thursday, clean out one drawer in your house that is in disorder. Throw out anything that is not absolutely necessary. Ooh, I know this was tough. Got a couple people that struggle with hoarding. Here you go. Friday, at the top of every hour, set an alarm. Ask yourself, if my mind were controlled by the Spirit, what would I be saying or doing right now? Then do that. Saturday, can you read that one there? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, look at no. Go device free all day today. Focus on God and the people in your midst. Be 100% present. Practice waiting quietly, placing your hope in God. Lamentations 3. All right, so there you go. Again, that, those, if you want some handouts there to put it on, to have a physical copy. But again, we're going to send this out uh, either today or tomorrow. And I'd encourage you to put these things into practice. And so here are some little things here that I believe can help build character, which will be sustaining and can be our lifestyle. Right now, we're going to go ahead and uh, take communion. This is a time where we remember Jesus upon the cross. And we remember his death and his sacrifice for us which brought us peace with God. And we're going to read this passage here in Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. But thank you that not only was his announcement of peace, but God, that he actually fulfilled that and fulfills it every day in those who belong to you and reside and walk in your will. And God, we thank you for the peace that is coming when Jesus returns. Lord, we look forward to that day. We don't know if it will be in our lifetime or afterwards, but God, we know that that peace is incredible because the peace we have now is incredible. And God, to see you face to face, we long for.
But Lord, we know that we only have this opportunity. We only have this fellowship that we have with one another. This great peace, this great hope, love and joy that we experience now is through Jesus and what he did on the cross. Thank you for his birth. Thank you for his sinless life. Thank you for his teachings. Thank you for his perseverance upon the cross. And thank you that he rose again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.